Hey, party people, have you joined our Discord server yet? You can meet fellow party people and interact with our cast and crew to talk about all things Encounter Party, both this first Ravnica campaign and our new campaign, which is a television show available on the Dungeons & Dragons Adventures channel. To learn more, head on over to our website at EncounterParty.com or check the links in the show notes. Now, enjoy this episode of Campaign 1 of Encounter Party. Warning, our show features very strong language and graphic depictions of violence, so listener discretion is advised. Last time on Encounter Party. After defeating Nikia and the Zerta clan, our players discovered another orb, much to their dismay. What's more, it looks like the Orzov and the Golgari have teamed up to exploit the Selesnia Guild. With only a contract number to go by, our players head towards civilization. Will this final clue be enough? Find out this week on Encounter Party! Running down into the smelting district, the people of Ravnica toil hard in the metals that they dig from the ground. Rakdos slave labor is toiling away, building random things of metal. Five wayward adventurers trudge their way through the steaming, sticky streets until they find the offices of one Mr. Aylin Ward. A quick rap on the door reveals it's locked. I'd kick it. Oh, <laughs> strength check, please. God, I love when Fakara does the light, the door kick thing. That's going to be a 19. Oh, all right. Uh, you put oof to door, and the door has a bad day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you kick in the door to the offices, and you can see that uh, inside the front office, it's very, very tiny. There's not a lot of space in the smelting quarter, but there looks to be a small makeshift table with a place setting for two. And you find two people mid-meal. One is a Vidalcan male. The other one is a human male, about 50. Bing bong. Uh, they're just frozen. Forks almost to mouth. Which one of you is Halen Ward? The human male with his fork just twists his wrist to point to the Vidalcan. We're not going to kill you. Uh, how reassuring. I say to the Vidalcan in um, Vidalcan. Okay. Are you Halen Ward? I'm afraid to say. Yeah. Xenia says in Vidalcan. I'm not entirely certain, but I think we're being unnecessarily frightening. We just have some questions. And he just looks to the human. This is very awkward. One of you is not Halen Ward. The one of you who is not Halen Ward, who are you? In common. Uh, he will not answer. Did we have a long rest or a short rest before this? <laughs> oh my god, we've gotten to that point, have we? Where Ned just points to David and goes, do that thing that nobody likes. <laughs> um, bum, 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 bum. You need to give me a check with advantage. Saloran. What kind of check? Uh, I don't know. Investig- something that- History? Something that would make you remember a thing. 18. Good enough. Um, the other dude sitting at the table 
is Royston Overshaw. I grab him and I throw him against the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, you throw him against the wall and he's like, Ooh, no need to be so forceful, my fine fellow. You're supposed, to, <laughs> you're supposed to be dead and if you don't want to actually be dead, you will repay your, you will answer all of my questions. I, ooh, ooh, a little tight around the throat. Sloan takes a breath, sets him down, but keeps his hands on his shoulders. Ooh. This is Royston Overshaw, the man who we thought was dead. Well, we never did see a body. To be clear, I said we should probably search the house, but hey, saw your house got crushed. Tough loss. Uh, yes. Yes, his one house. <laughs> his singular house. <laughs> um, he don't look so good. Um, Medicine check? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Non-natural 20? Visually... He looks like he hasn't showered and has probably been wearing the same suit for like a week. How long was that worm attack ago? About a week. About a week. All right. Um, in short, it looks like he's in hiding. So uh, Perix will say, we have some questions about the rail line you both are constructing. And I'm afraid we've set entirely the wrong impression. I didn't. The door was locked. What were we going to do? They didn't answer. Knock. We did. <laughs> With my foot. <laughs> I got impatient. I'm sorry. So, Perix pulls up a seat at the table. You have to take one from them to do that. Royston's not in a seat. Not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so I sit down in Royston's seat. Eh. <laughs> I say, I, I was, oh, shh. So Lauren says, sorry. Uh, to the Vidalkin, I'll say, um, we are investigating the... Attempted murders of the financiers of your line, as well as many other things. And we have many questions about the line and about the specifics of how your line was planned that can help us stop the murders. Anybody who wants to can give me a perception check. Nope. The fuck, man? Yeah, 12. 17. Hey. 12. It takes a five. Oh! <laughs> oh, seven. I a perception check. <laughs> You see the two of them really trying hard not to answer any questions. And they just keep looking back and forth to each other and you guys. Um, I'm going to, can I roll persuasion? Yeah. 18. I'm going to say, you guys. Oh my, I'm so sorry about the way we barged in here and and forced ourselves into what seems like just a lovely evening between two gentlemen who smell a little worse than they should. He's like wrinkled, rich, pompous face, just sort of like, yeah. I understand there's a lot of bacteria, and I find that interesting. We can talk about it another time. We really need some information from you, and and you being so intelligent, Harem, you being the lead engineer on this project, we would love some information. All we need to know is where it starts, where it ends. So, Halen looks like he's about to answer some questions or about to speak. And as he kind of makes that effort, like he's going to go talk, in your arms, David, Royston starts sort of requesting some really, really strange stuff. He's like, all right, kill me. Kill me now. You've got me. I'm a criminal. Kill me. Kill me. And he, like, reaches for your... Morningstar, under your waist, starts trying to wretch it out. As you can see, he's trying to off himself. I'm going to grapple him so that I have him by the arm and force his chest against the wall. Let's do strength checks. God, I can't wait to see what Royston Overshar's 
strength is. Four. Eleven. He's sickly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So how are you gonna like grapple him? He um with his hands on my morning star, I grab him by the wrists, I force him to turn, and I just push him against the wall with his back going against his um middle of the shoulder blades. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, oh, is that all you've got? Kill me! Kill me now! Do you have any pets? I've hit them! Do you have any children? I- I've put them into slavery! If you have someone else, I've killed them! If you know, I'm, I'm a mean person! Kill me! Kill me! Kill me now! I would like to take whatever... I'm sure I have some sort of length of clop. I, oh, you know, I actually have a medicine kit. I'm taking a bandage out of my medicine kit, and I'm just going to gag him with it, because this is really annoying. All right, you start gagging him. In an elastic effort, he starts attempting to slam his head against so the wall. So Perix says uh, quickly, and would like to do so with persuasion, uh, whoever has threatened you, we can protect you, but only if you help us. I don't need protection. I don't want protection. I just want to die. I'll just hold the back of the gag so he can't move his head. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Xenia, in all this commotion, you see Halen like, uh, (laughs) trying to like sneak out the door. (laughs) Um, I I mean, I stand in front of the door. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is all incredibly awkward. Um, oh, with a 22 persuasion. <laughs> I say, please just let us know who's threatening you. We can help. He starts, uh, he's... <laughs> or to, oh, I take the gag off and I say, why do you want to die? Uh, 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 yes, you know who's threatening me? Uh, it's that blue fellow over there. Yes, Halen Ward is threatening me. He's after my life. Get him, kill him, kill In him. sight. That's a one. <laughs> 14. Oh, Halen Ward does not seem like he's trying yeah. to kill him yeah, at all. Yeah, didn't get that They were sense. having no. dinner together. Yeah, they were having yeah. afternoon tea. Is there any way I can finesse his head into the wall? Just enough to make him unconscious. Please don't knock him out. Okay, all right, all right, okay. Not yet. All Um, right. People who can talk, leave them awake. Fuck me. Um, I wanted to roll on deception. I just got an 11 because I want to try a different tactic. And here we go, Mm -hmm. which is that if you don't give us the information that we want, I'm definitely going to kill you worse than you could kill yourself. And then you're going to be a ghost and you're going to haunt your favorite family member for the rest of their lives. Are you saying this to Royston Overshaw? Yeah. Because I'm trying a different tactic. Right. He's like, <laughs> he's he's feeding off your energy and you're like, I'm going to kill you worse and you'll be a ghost. And he'll be like, yes, yes, fine, fine. Do it. Kill me. Kill me. Prove your worth. You stupid, is it? I'm going to try to intimidate him. I dare you. I'm going to try to intimidate him. Silence. That is a 22. Oh, yeah. Salorn, after finally silencing Overshaw, looks to the others and says, When I met you all, my mission was to find the three main investors behind the unaffiliated line. The best prize I can give the Grand Envoy right now is a living subject. I suggest that we bring them both to her and examine them there. I would like to politely look to the Vidalkin and be like, Would you please come with us? We will not hurt you. I promise. In Vidalkin, I'll say to him, This may come as a surprise, but we are trying to help. 
Halen Ward looks to you and Xenia alone, as you are fellow Vidalkins, and in a very, very weary consentment, coldly tells you, you will very shortly know just how much you are harming, and agrees to go with you. I have a question. Answer. For the party, out of graciousness. Um, are we really bringing an orb directly to Tessa Karloff? No. No. Last time we brought an orb to someone, it did not go well, and a whole bunch of Simic died. So uh, we should drop it back at Alfonso. I is, think it'd be a good idea. Is that on the way? No. I. I mean... Just for the sake of expediency, I can point out that you do have a gyrocopter. I can take the gyrocopter and take the orb back to Alfonso's. You'll just have to catch her up with whatever you talk. Okay, sounds like a plan. So Lauren objects to that and says that, of course we should bring that to the Grand Envoy. She deserves to know. We have been keeping two orbs thus far, and frankly, a third with them seems like a better idea than putting it in the hands of someone we can't fully understand the motives of. You're not a pet that retrieves things. It's he, okay. He, yes, he kind of is. is. <laughs> My name is the collector. My name is the collector. Right. Like, I get that. But you're not a pet that just retrieves things mindlessly. And you've been outvoted. But we, we, yeah, we did have a contract with you that says we put it to a vote. And I believe there are four people with two other orbs that are not going to let you raise this objection. Sorry, bud. Four say yes, one say no. Xenia... I think you're just too good at what you're doing to not, like, fix that gyrocopter. It's probably just bent. But you're in the smelting quarter as well. You probably pick something off the street that goes in there. So if you want to make a quick pop back, it's just going to take you a quick moment to get back over to the Karlovs. And then we can do that. And we can deal with that conversation and roll from there. Great. Sound good? Sounds great. Okay. Anybody need anything else to do before you split up briefly? Before we leave, and I'm not able to be a presence with all of you as we part ways, I'm going to pose a question to you that Niv-Mizzet posed to me. Who has nothing left to gain on Ravnica and everything to gain in a new realm? Before you tell anyone anything, before you share any information, please consider that question before acting. And she gets in her gyrocopter and she flies away. And now a quick word from one of our sponsors. You know, folks, blank walls can be pretty boring. So why not spruce up your home or office by heading over to ukiyopop.com. They have a collection of traditional Japanese prints inspired by today's comics, games, and movies. The gallery is viewable online for free and prints are available for purchase. So head over to ukiyopop.com. That's U-K-I-Y-O-P-O-P.com. Tradition in a modern method. And now, back to the party. So evening has set into Ravnica. The sun has set. The darkness has spread across the city. All of the lights from the buildings begin to shine, and deep within the smelting district, you can feel the warmth and the heat as this red glow seems to emanate off the floor. The choice has been made to head back to Tessa Karloff at the Karloff Estate, Within tow, your two new prisoners, some strange folk involved with the fourth ray line. I will say this out of professional courtesy, you are literally right next to the Tin Street Market. If you guys have some extra cash and you feel the need to grab anything on your way. Uh, I'll buy a, a couple more potions of healing to get my, my gear back up for distribution purposes. 
You just happen to be right there on the map, so I was just going to let you have that choice. You've been out in the wilds for a couple days. I'm pretty positive I could buy two potions. Potions are 50. how many? It depends on the size that you want. A basic potion is 50. Greater potion would be 200. Anything above that, I'm not entirely sure you have, you can afford at this moment. I have 20, so I'm good. Uh, have you used any of yours yet? No, no. Okay. Didn't we give you an expense limit? No. We never talked about that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> You have an expense limit of 300 GP. Great. 300 Xeno. Solomon's going to use his 300 Xeno to buy three health potions. Great. Oh, does, for Master Sergeant, does that like magically show up? Have you reported back to work in like not, so yes, a okay. month? Oh my God. Oh, that's, actually, that's not fair. You did report to work at the at the, at the fort. But you have not been back to collect your wages. And I 100% guarantee you that Captain Farland has not heard about your promotion yet. So when you go back, you've got like a month of private's wages waiting for you when you go back. You could probably order some back pay there. Yeah. Something to talk to uh, Blade of the Legion about. Oh, God, there's going to be HR and paperwork. (laughs) I don't don't think the Boros Legion has HR. Oh, I'm sure they do. I think they have a fist and a chain of command. See, I'm just imagining, like, the VA for the Boros. Do you you know what the chain of command is? It's the chain I beat you with to understand who's in command. (laughs) That is every time, every time I see that goddamn phrase. Okay, Um, everybody good? Anything else? No, I'm a happy camper. Okay, so it's late towards the night by the time that you sort of do a little bit of shopping and march these two buttholes back to the Karlov estate. Remind me, are any of them unconscious? Royston Overshaw, I knocked him out before Xenia started speaking to us, so okay. he's slung over my shoulder. Okay. And then Halen Ward is pretty defeated. He seems to be walking with sort of a, a, a defeated, quiet nature to him. Um, and uh, because you have Saloran with you, you again have no problem marching your way into the Karlov estate. And uh, Tessa has sort of, like, you know, retired for the evening. She's sort of in her, like, oh, that day is done. I'm going to have a glass of wine and maybe read my Tolstein or whatever. But uh, she does take her, on on report of your return, she does sort of prepare herself and come out to, to meet you in her audience chamber. And she sees, the, she sees the two people that you have brought in, and she immediately recognizes Royston Overshaw. And uh, if she's surprised or not, you couldn't tell because she's just got, like, the perfect poker face. And you just hear a, Ah, I see. Rumors of your death were greatly exaggerated. Grand Envoy, as you can see, you have brought back the subject of the original investigation. And we have learned some things in our journey to the Rubble Belt. And Saloran looks over to the others and kind of puts the ball in their court, understanding that the contract, he can't share anything unless it passes the democratic vote, but he's kind of forcing their hand. The most pressing issue that we need to address is that within a gruel camp that we were part of a raid on, we found two Selesnian worm collars chained to a wall who had been raised by Golgari magic and were under an Orzov contract. The details of which I can recite to you in private, Grand Envoy. Is there a reason your companions cannot hear it? At your will, Grand Envoy. And at that moment, Salorn begins reciting the 17-digit contract code that the Selesnian worm callers had given him. Ah, well, I'm sorry to say I don't know that one by heart. It's going to take me a moment to look it up. For now, I suggest you take some time to rest. It looks like Mr. Robichaud is going to take a moment to wake up as it is. You're welcome to stay here as you wish. 
Perhaps in the morning I will come back with some more information. Please make sure that both of these men are well taken care of, but captive. They will be alive on the morrow. Thank you very much. You guys may now take a long rest. Frickety who? <laughs> you may level up to level seven. Oh, hey. hell yeah. I got some spells to learn. It's been a single day, right? That morning you woke up and raided the Zerta camp. Yeah. Yeah. So Long day. Yes. So last night you were sleeping on the ground, and tonight you're back to cush- There's no in-between in this campaign. No, no, no. We only yeah. go you're from either. here to a fort. You're Abject o- poverty to the lap of luxury <laughs> every goddamn day. Yeah. <laughs> it's really fucking your back. <laughs> Thank God I roll good on my hit dice, y'all. Yes, yes, yes. So you take your long rest. You level up to level seven. However, during the long rest, Perix, you start having... Terrible nightmares. Would you please make a charisma saving throw? Yeah, sure. That's not one of my lower traits or anything, you jackass. Mm -hmm. Maybe stop being such a dick. 16? You toss and turn in the night, and you wake up at one point. You don't get like a full solid eight hour sleep uninterrupted. You wake up at some point where you're like, is it right before my alarm? Oh, no, it's 3.30. Great. (laughs) Um, But you wake up to just pitch black and you do have a moment of disorientation as you're like oh all the lights are off and then you just go back to sleep and then finish your long rest thank you sir may i have another make another saving throw (laughs) 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 we can do this all day so everyone else wakes up a little groggy you remembered we had a raid against an entire clan yesterday and then walked all the way back to the city But you do wake up groggily. A nice breakfast is provided to you. Tea. I don't know if there's coffee in Ravnica, but something of the equivalent. Some Golgari caffeine bug slop. Mushroom fritters. Mushroom fritters. Um, That sounds good. But you are in the, you know, you're in the estate of the Karloff Manor. So it's going to be a very, very nice breakfast on some very, very nice china. Enough to sort of get the ache out of your bones and prepare you guys for what you're about to do this morning. Tessa Karlov is already awake. She's dressed for the day. She's in her audience chamber, very, very calmly awaiting you. And as you get shown in by Slubnik the Thrall. Morning, Slubnik. Good morning. Don't encourage him. Um, you go walk in and you sit in the chamber and you see having morning tea with Tessa Karloff is once again Tajik. Ah, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Soloran gives a nod. Parix does his thing where he stands in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice to see you, Mr. Collector. And very good to see you, Master Tajik. He gives you a thumbs up. <laughs> hey, you got it in one and a half tries. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, Tessa kind of greets everyone and says, okay, let's let's have this talk. It, it sounds like it's going to be something of a terrible conversation that you guys are all prepared to have with each other, except she is, um, you know, sounds like this is something she has for breakfast every day is shit news. All right, cool. What can you tell us about the contract code? That is where this conversation begins quite quizzically. I'm glad none of you were with me as I was consulting these files last night because I think you would have seen my rage in a way you would have not believed. This contract number does not exist. 
And it's not as if I truly believe it does not exist. It's just simply not filed where it is supposed to be filed. Concealed by the Omzidat? Likely. That's bad, right? Very few things with the Ghost Council are good, my dear. All right, just making sure. Xenia asked us the night before, Who has nothing left to gain on Ravnica, and everything to gain in some place new? That question was posed by the Firemind. Are we to believe the Obsidat would be so reckless as to leverage the coming of Merit Lage to conquer some new, unforeseen reality? Tessa Karloff starts laughing kind of goofily once the dragon's name is mentioned. Are you all following the wisdom of a coward? What we have seen of Merit Lage, Grand Envoy, deserves special consideration. Parrick says... You may be confused. We learned a lot of this after we saw you last time, and proceeds to just give out some of the Jace journal information from the library. Saloran is very pleased about that. Well, Tessa knows about Jace, and she informs you that... Specifically about Merit Lage and Dominaria? Yeah, so that part spooks the crap out of her. But as far as Jace Bellerin is concerned, you know, Tessa was there at the reforming of the Guild Pact, and she is aware that Jace himself is not always present. I think she's kind of awoken to a suspicion that he goes somewhere else. Probably, she thought it was a pocket sanctum, but the fact that he can travel to other worlds has certainly piqued her interest. But she wants to let you guys know that she is aware that he is the Living Guild Pact. And then she shares some news with you guys about the fact that in the interim between the shattering of the Guild Pact and the absence of the Firemind, she had been working to draft a contractual voluntary Guild Pact between the guilds, something that was bound by paper, not necessarily something bound magically like it has been in history. And she says, After the shattering of the Guild Pact, I did my best to pick up the pieces. The Obsidat had become lazy and dead, giving me the position of Grand Envoy, made me responsible for the guild's activities in responsibility only. However, despite my best efforts, we had difficulty drafting an applicable guild pact because, well, the Firemind was absent and there was distrust within the Gruul clans. I'm quite glad that your little Izzet friend isn't here at the moment because I think she would be disturbed to learn the truth about that blowhard you want to know where the dragon was for 70 years? Yes. He was in hiding. I was there. In the events that bought Agris cost that statue he's got mounted in the promenade, another is-it revolutionary was trying to birth dragons of his own, something that I managed to stop with the soldier cost, something that cost me my leg. During the event, we inevitably stirred great monsters from the deep of Ravnica, which the firemine boldly decided he was going to take on Solo. Quite frankly, he got his dragon tail kicked and fled like a little child. Would Lord Zetch have any idea what she's referring to? No, this is actually, uh, side note, this is in actually the books from Ravnica. So this is all part of, uh, for those of you at home, go read the books. Um, This is part of the side story of um, the book, I believe is actually called Guild Pact, um, that involves the three-part tale of Agris Koss, and she actually knew him. Um, and he worked for Tessa 
after he retired from the Boros Legion after the breaking of the Guild Pact. Um, and then they they were stopping some crazy is it wizard? And this all actually happened. That's when the Nephilim came. Yeah. And and Niv Mizzet killed one of the Nephilim, but then got wrecked by another two and then just ran away. Yeah. And nobody saw him for a very long time. And it kind of messed a lot of people up. And Tessa was one of three people there to see it. So she has very, very poor opinions of the dragon. Peric says from his corner, <laughs> um, with a, a, a sort of weight and a, a lack of tact that Peric is not necessarily known for, says, Grand Envoy, you seem exceedingly smart, and I am comfortable with the fact that we have a contract with you because you seem like someone who can think rationally. But thus far, I am exceedingly disturbed that each of the maze runners we have met shows a whole lot of personal squabble in the way of an apocalyptic problem. Welcome to Ravnica. But I sort of hoped you were better. Oh, please make no mistake. I am taking this very, very seriously. And I think that you can see that my Boros friend here is of the same mind. Parix returns to his corner. It's also important to understand that the maze runners were champions for a contest. Soldiers of fortune who were of the mindset to believe that by their own abilities they could win the entire power of Ravnica for their own people. When you talk about maze runners, you are talking about champions. You are not talking about political figures within each of the guilds, with few exceptions. I myself have been issued the state of Grand Envoy. I have all the responsibilities of a guild leader, and yet none of the power, nor the respect, because I still curtail under the heels of dead men. However, this talk of a monstrous horror from another dimension has certainly shaken me more than I'm willing to show. The Firemind may be a coward, but he's not an idiot, and so when he proposes such a dire question, it deserves consideration. My question is whether or not he's already solved the problem, or he's waiting for us to solve it for him. So the question remains, who on Ravnica would possibly have everything to gain by going somewhere else and nothing left to gain here? Who do we know is a conspirator? Malthus Reed, deceased, one Deorath, very much alive, or so we're led to believe, and Nikia of the Zertar clan, also recently deceased. Very deceased. Well, let's begin with probably the simplest. Nikia... Clan chief of the Zerta clan would have had what to benefit from raising an apocalypse upon Ravnica. The Gruul are a violent race who want to see nothing more than Ravnica reduced to rubble and nature brought back to its apparent natural state. So why would somebody spend so much aggression to raise an apocalypse? She fulfills the prophecy of Ilharg, wins honor and glory for her clan, a minor one among the Gruul. Justification of their religious beliefs. Savages. She just sort of sticks a hand out to you, Saloran, and is like, calm down. You don't have to prove anything here. Like, we get it. So it's easy to understand why somebody like Nikia would serve willingly and quote-unquote not take the black, as we've soon discovered means that there are several higher members of this conspiracy who are not required to bathe themselves in black ichor, therefore seem to be very much in control of their mental faculties. A truly terrifying suspicion. However... It's clear that Nikia thought that she was satisfying the Gruul's prophecy of a raised end, or an end raise, as I believe they call it. Who else do we know are conspirators? 
Please excuse my bluntness. I am at heart a lawyer. The first to cross our path was Malthus Reed. I see. Well, I have experienced plenty of is-it betrayal before. It does not surprise me. Again, perhaps best that we have this conversation without your as a companion, but what do we know about Malthus Reed? A master researcher, the head of his college. Specifically teleportation. And with no greater ground to gain within his own guild. The dragon would certainly never give up its seat. Where else was he to go? A thought has occurred. Given what we know about Chase Bellerin and his ability to step between realms, and given his suspicion about the possibility of a planeswalker, as he called it, among the ranks of the Izzet, do we know anything about this raw Zarek? And what is his college? Storms and electricity, if memory serves. True. So I believe I have seen the dragon's reasoning. Imagine, if you would, that you are the master researcher of the College of Teleportation and Spatial Configuration, and perhaps, in your brilliance, you were supposed to discover that one of your co-workers has the ability to do what you do beyond your wildest imagination in the same capacity as if he was stepping out his front door. His entire life's work. Ruined. Meaningless, next to what Ralzera can achieve with the slightest effort. That must have been infuriating for him. Enough so that they would consider summoning Merit Lage. If this being has the power to stretch your mind beyond dimensions... It could easily prey upon his ambitions and his insecurities. But also remember that one thing that confused Jace Bellerin, who we know could walk between the planes, is that Merit Lage can also walk between the planes but is not a planes walker. That is knowledge that would put Malthus Reed above Ral Zarek. Which is where we bring in the orbs, right? Well, we're not entirely sure what their purpose are. We certainly know what they do, but why these conspirators are trying to collect them, I think we still need to find out. The question still remains, though, who are we hunting? Malthus Reed and Nikia are already dead. What do we know about Daereth? Ludmilla claimed that he was not one to have taken the black. It seems that he serves Merit Lage's will willingly. I also, given what we have most recently found within the camp of the Zertar, question whether or not Deorath is, in the traditional sense, alive. Well, if it's one thing I might be able to declare is my life's work, it is the science of power struggles. Now that all of the Sisters of Stone Death are deceased, and Savra herself perished during the crash attack 70 years ago, that leaves us with what vacuum within the Golgari. Gerard has taken over. But Gerard does not serve as the Matka. True. I must also confess, I don't know how well you know the station of your own guild, but Gerard's hold over the Golgari is very weak. He is a de facto guild leader, stepping in simply by blood relation of Savra, and because he was a bit of a hero during the defense against the Kraj. Are we concerned that Deoreth may be... She doesn't finish the sentence and just sort of, like, nods to you? A lich? Quite. I think perhaps it might be best to educate our companions about the dangers of such a being. A devastatingly powerful sorcerer beyond death's grasp. Many of our kind have achieved this over the years. All of them immensely powerful and with great pull within our guild, able to command the loyalty of many underlings. 
The tried-and-true method of attaining lichdom involves the displacement of one's soul into a vessel that is able to contain it. A closely guarded secret, the phylactery remains the lich's key to immortality. If we were able to uncover the location of Deorath's phylactery, we may be able to end his time within the conspiracy. And what if Deorath's phylactery were to go to another realm? He would achieve life everlasting, and his dominion over Ravnica would be absolute. And Lorzach is sort of struck with admiration for this. That is fucking brilliant. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Can druids become liches? Yes. They can? Hmm. Yeah. All right. Not to plant any ideas... It's nothing that he hadn't already considered. <laughs> Too late. Level 17 lich, Andrew Krug. Who else are we worried about? Or is there anyone that we can cross off? Ironically, the Rakdos. They have not at all been incriminated in this conspiracy and seem, for once, to have their noses clean. Well, unless the demon himself were to travel to some other home, I think they're quite happy right where they are. And what about the Gruul guilds? We have Nikia eliminated. Have any of the other clans displayed signs of taking the black? The Zerta clan, whenever we were in the Rubble Belt, were the news of that area. Their unchecked aggression at that point was a sign that they had taken the black. As far as we know, the status quo set by the Burning Tree clan is still intact. Good, so we don't have to worry about the Cyclops. And she kind of turns to Tajik for a second and just throws sort of a shady eyebrow at him. And he goes, we have angels. Okay, so there are three. (laughs) I am, however, beginning to sense a pattern. And that is, it appears that these conspirators are working within their own machinations and therefore outside of the actual influence of the guild, which would prevent any of Beleren's guild pack laws from affecting them for messing with the rest of the guilds of Ravnica, if they are acting outside of their guild's interests. Grand Envoy, I would like to posit an idea. The Obsidat, if they are behaving as we originally thought, may be funding parts of this conspiracy, thereby allowing them to contribute to this conspiracy in a way that exempts them from the guild pact. My concern immediately is the infection shown by Merit Lage. I'm not quite sure if it would have any effect on them and would give them free reign to do as they wish should it take over. I have many suspicions about the Obsidot and their illegal dealings, and those suspicions grow by the minute. But for now, before we do anything immediate, I would like us to think if there's anything else we need to discuss. What of the Demir? We discovered people that had Demir plugs, for lack of a better term, in their chest. But any thralls that we've discovered have been the victims of Demir magic and vampiric manipulation and not the corruption of Merit Lage. They are, ironically, not incriminated thus far. Hmm. An organization like them relies on their agents having keen minds. The corruption of Merit Lage, as I've seen, reduces them to creatures completely unfit for the work of the Demir. It would be counterpoint to their organization as I know it. I would not put it past the Demir to have full observation of the events at hand. However, their leadership in the absence of the vampire is under question. 
we have spoken to only a few envoys in guild pack discussions, and therefore the true motives of the Demir, quite frankly, we need to accept we will never know in full. However, if we have failed to see any of their agents suffering corruption, I think we can rest assured that the Demir would never move without assurance at all. Plunging blindly into the darkness does not seem likely for their modus operandi. I sent a message to Vizara at the Simic Combine, but as of now I don't... I have not seen any reason to believe that the Simic have been infiltrated by this corruption. Why would anyone want to corrupt a fish? I'm sorry, Rogman. You are significantly less funny than you could ever possibly believe. <laughs> there may be a far simpler answer to that than we may be experiencing. Your guild has a history of biological manipulations. It might simply have reached a point where your makeup is so different to what is universal across the multiverse that Merit Lage may simply not have the capability of navigating your individually constructed minds. Perix nods. For once, it seems your biological deviance has come in handy. Our remaining concern, then, is the Selesnia. Quite disturbingly so. We've found two worm callers within the basement of the tower at the Zertar camp. They appear to be under contract, one that is concealed, by whose authority we cannot yet say, though we have our suspicions. And the glyph that is taking shape across the face of Ravnica, which must be crafted within three dimensions, involves a tunnel that must burrow underneath Selesnian territory and thus can only be achieved by a Selesnian worm. We must understand who is a part of the conspiracy within the Selesnian conclave. A few points of information to consider. One, the current leader of the Selesnia conclave is a dryad known as Tristani. Tristani herself is a collective of three conjoined triads who have different representations of harmony. The idea of a being like Merit Lage being able to infest all three minds, each who have different agendas and make them all work together in unison, seems very unlikely to me, much in the same way that the Ghoul Champion was unaffected, being two-headed. Tristani herself, as a collective, is a tribunal. They must all agree in unison, so even if one were to be corrupted, it would simply bring the clan to a halt, something I think we would have spied a long time ago. Also, disturbingly, it seems that the Selesnian worm callers were unable to satisfy their duty without being strong-armed into contract. So the question may be not so much who within the Selesnia are corruptible, but who within the Selesnia can be controlled. Which would bring us back to the Yozhov who, as I understand it, have bankrolled many of the reconstruction efforts following the shattering. True. The Obzidat does not waste any time taking advantage of the misfortune of others. And how much effort would it take to manipulate one clause into an endless lifetime of servitude? Simply a smile. Perhaps we should have a conversation with our captives. So, if you would join me in the main hall, I will bring up our prisoners and we can make an example. Perix walks to the main hall. Sloren follows closely behind. Does Tajik come with? Yes. Yay. Now I'm going to sit here and read the newspaper. Yes, he's coming. Yeah, we're all in the main hall. You're all in the main hall. So um, she throws a she throws an order to Slubnik to go grab those buttholes. And then she kind of sits in her sort of a dressing big chair at the front of her entryway. 
And uh, you guys all kind of line up, all tough. And uh, a couple of thralls and some two strong-armed Basilica guards come marching in with um, Halen Ward and Royston Overshaw, now awake, and throw them down on their knees in front of you. In Vidalkin, I will ask Halen Ward, were you mistreated in the night? He seems to take a moment and then decide the best answer for him to give is no. Perix notes the moment. <laughs> and uh, as soon as the conversation begins, Royston Overshaw begins begging for death in a much different way. Oh, I'm so sorry. I have been terrible. I deserve death. I am a, I am worm on the ground. I don't deserve to live. What is this? Why is he like this? Ward is, I don't know. Mr. Overshaw, do you have any outstanding debts to the Ozov, as they seem to suspect you do? Um, uh, is it a penalty if I do? What does your contract say? Um, it says that if I were to ever, uh, uh, displease the Grand Envoy, that I should be beheaded immediately. Looks to the Grand Envoy, is any of that true? That does not sound like any sane parameters to any contract. Great. What is your contract code, Overshaw? Um, didn't, didn't, oh no, he gave you the one for the other ones. Yes. Um, um, uh, um, I, I, I don't remember. Insight. No, <laughs> no yeah, no. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good way to. I'm going to roll intimidation. Mm-hmm. If you don't remember, I guarantee you'll live for a long, painful time in the Orzov dungeons. That's a 12. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I lied. I don't have a contract. There's no contract available. Kill me. He seems rather anxious for death. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we can do this. Is Are the Boros usually about killing people with potential information? Uh, no, but uh, sometimes. <laughs> it's a thing. When an indirect goes lame, the best thing to do is to... Uh, I'm just saying I'm available. Thakara would like to walk up to Royston Overshaw. Yes. Kind of lean down, look him directly in the face. Do you truly want to die? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. You're strong. You could probably do it in one good smash. Come on, bovine, horn lady. So Lauren grunts in frustration and casts Zone of Truth on Royston Overshaw. And he has to succeed at what? DC 16 charisma save. Nope. <laughs> That's a two. It's sort of aggravating that this dude is like super rich. <laughs> He's an idiot. What dealings have you had with the Ozov? Uh, um, uh, I, a lot. <laughs> you can see him like widgeting in his frail body trying to like fight the lie. It's like liar, liar. Like he can't like prevent himself from telling the truth. I go. I've had a lot, a lot. Specifically pertaining to this unaffiliated rail line. Ooh, ooh that's, that's tricky. <laughs> um, I can say with clarity that the Orzov own no part of the rail line yet. And that yet means what? Oh, 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 kill me, just kill me now, please. Kill me before it's too late. Too late for what? You're going to ruin everything! What is the contract code? Oh, there is no contract! There is no contract! 
There is no contract with Eorzov. You're going to ruin everything. I was going to live forever. Are you working with the Orbsadot? Yes. Yes, you moron. You imbecile cow. Yes. Did they offer you a place on the council if you helped them with the unaffiliated line? Yes. I was going to be on the ghost council, you idiots. I had everything lined up. You fools. You fools. You know nothing. And you insolent, poor, sniveling peasants. And what was your side of the contract in order to get on the ghost council? He's like doing everything he can to not spill what is like the most important secret of his life. (laughs) The other, the other investors were supposed to die. They were supposed to die, leaving me in sole possession of control over the fourth line. And then, and then, and then once it was complete, I would join the Ghost Council and the Ozov would absorb possession of the fourth line, therefore avoiding the rules of the Guild Pact. He just sort of like deflates into the ground. You peasants, you plebeians, you've ruined everything. Are uh, Royston Overshaw and Halen Ward next to each other? Oh, Halen Ward has like shimmied away. Like, what the fuck is this guy? Going? Outside of the zone of truth? No, he's still in the zone of truth. Has Halen Ward made a save? Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, He fails. So Parix looks at Halen Ward and says, who plotted the path of the fourth rail line? To confirm, do you say that in common or Vidalkin? Common. Thank you. He seems visibly shocked. Like, he seems visibly unaware that this level of corruption was a thing. Um, And he says, Royston Overshaw deliberately came up with the path for the fourth line because he informed me where the demolition projects were already lined up. We came to an agreement that we would say I was doing this on my own information because he was concerned that the other two investors would not go along with his proposals for fear of jealousy or unequal control. I am not a city planner, okay? I'm just a private contractor. I just build stuff out of metal. And looking back at Royston Overshaw, who gave you the line that the train had to be drawn on? Ooh, it was the ghost council. Well, we've confirmed one suspicion at least. Mr. Ward, were you ever directed to take any sort of contract with the Obsidat? No, the only contract I had was I was paid directly by Royston Overshaw. Thank you very much, Mr. Ward. If you need any information about our plans of construction, they are in my office. Thank you. Royston, did the Ghost Council by chance say where they got the plans from? No. (laughs) So during Royston Overshaw's wailings, as you've uncovered what appears to be an Obsidot plot to absorb wealth, you hear everybody sort of quiets waiting for Royston to finish his wailings, and then he sort of dissipates, and his, his, like, fervor has kind of calmed down, and there's just, like, that brief moment of silence where you're waiting to be like, 
Is he done? And you hear like the creaking of stone and everybody pauses for a moment. Can I get a perception check from everybody? What up, Nat 20? Oh. 15, 16. Five. Um, Perix and Lorzach, you immediately place that the movement appears to be coming from one of the gargoyles on display inside the main chamber of the Basilica. And it seems to take notice the minute that you, everyone kind of looks around, but the two of you very sharply look at this one particular gargoyle. And then once it notices it's been locked on, you see the gargoyle come to life, then shift it, look at you, and it howls with this cavernous maw that opens up and this wailing, this sort of high-pitched, terrific comes out of its mouth and it breaks free of its stone structure and starts to fly away. And you just hear Tessa scream, spy! Uh, uh, great. Very quickly, Perix casts Witch Bolt right at it. Go. Does a 21 hit. Oh, yeah. Okay, great. 18 points of lightning damage. Right, so in a flash, this thing makes a mad break for the window. And Perix, because you rolled so good on perception, you saw it, as soon as it takes flight, you just, quick as a whip, lightning, reflex, just hit it, and it lands shattering on the ground, breaking part of its wing off. And as you just hear it, begin crawling towards the door in a flash you just see Tajik Blade of the Legion come rushing up to it and with a mighty cleave just hacks the head off of this gargoyle and then everybody sort of has a pause where we go uh how fucked are we right now and you see Tessa take her cane and lean and sit down in the chair and just start staring at the floor can I roll a real quick perception just to see if any of the other gargoyles feel like they might be staying very suspiciously silent? Uh, sure. Fifteen. None of the other ones are moving. Great. Was that a possession? She just, she kind of looks up at you and says, That was a plant. Then they already know. And she turns to Tajik, and he turns around, and he goes, Oh, right now? And she just kind of looks at him and says... I think there's no turning back, and I think we have a very short period of time. And she gets up and calls for Slubnik. Yes, mistress. She goes, the preparations are ready in the side room. Grab them now. The rest of you, come with me. And Lorzach follows. So Lauren follows. Perix definitely follows. I'll collect myself out of my fangirl squee and follow. Is nobody going to ask where you're going? No. 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Where is it we're going? And without turning you, she marches towards the door and coldly stammers, The time to fulfill your part of the contract has come. We're going to kill the council. On the next Encounter Party, the unwilling testimony of Royston Overshaw has confirmed Solorian's worst fear that the Obsidot, Guildmasters of the Orzov, are a part of the Malthus Reed conspiracy. It's now or never, as Tessa reveals the true intent of their binding contract, to kill the Ghost Council. Do our players stand any chance of success? Find out next time on Encounter Party!
Encounter Party is produced by Play Plus One and Charging Moose Media, based on the worlds of Dungeons and & Dragons and Magic the Gathering, created by Wizards of the Coast. Original campaign written by Brian David Judkins. Sound capture and original effects by Will Malones. Edits and mixing by Ned Donovan and Katie Brow. Theme song and additional music by Alexander Nakarada of Serpent Sound Studios. Additional music by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. Special thanks to Megan Judkins and Will Malones. Hey there, party people. I'm Sarah Babe, you know, the one that rolls all the ones. Come on over to Facebook and check out our Encounter Party group. It's super fun. You get to talk to all of us and you wouldn't believe the conspiracy theories. It's great. Check out our Instagram, our Twitter. And if you're looking for news and updates, check out EncounterParty.com. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe, rate and review on your favorite podcast platform. Keep the party going, folks.